You are listening to episode 117 of the Remind Yourself podcast. Welcome to the Remind Yourself podcast, the podcast for physician moms just like you who want to ditch mom guilt, stop yelling, and start enjoying their lives today. I'm your host, Michelle Chestovich, certified life coach, family physician, and mom of four. If you want to overcome overwhelm for once and for all, this is the place for you. Hello, Mama Docs, and welcome back. Today, I have a most fabulous guest for all of you. She is a physician in Minnesota, and she has done something incredible with her work. She trained as a family physician, and she has branched out and has created a business where she provides fourth trimester care. I am thrilled to have her. I've had the wonderful opportunity to meet her several times over the last few years. And not only am I in love with the work that she's doing and providing for these amazing mamas, but I love her entrepreneurial spirit. So we are going to dive in and talk all about it. And so I'm just going to say welcome, Dr. Michelle Hagerty. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I don't know where you want to begin. I mean, we should probably let people know that we trained at the same residency, like many, many, many years apart, right? Yes, so I think yes. that's kind of a cool starting point. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to do what you're doing. Yeah. So first of all, I'm an individual. So I'm a traveler. I am creative. I am sort of challenge seeker. I I just love, so I'm, I'm very passionate about things that I get involved in. So, so yeah, that's sort of me. And then I'm also- I, I just want to pause right there and say, yeah. thank you for doing that. Because so often we have so many other labels, but to start as an individual, I love that. And I'm going to use that with guests moving forward. So thank you for being so enlightening in that regard. I love yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's really important. I think, especially as a, a mom, I'm also a mom. And so, and that's, that's sort of my second, second, you know, sort of label or, or, or priority really in my life. But yeah, I'm a person and I, you know, there's things about me that, you know, are important and I really want to make sure that I have that identity and I don't lose that identity in motherhood and as a physician as well. Right. So I'm not defined as being a physician. I, you know, that's part of my job and part of my, you know, role in this, in this world. And it's what brings money into the, (laughs) into our family, but it's not what defines me as a person and as an individual. And so I really, I think it's really important to, you know, find that and find where, you know, what, it, what, what is it that sort of drives us and keeps us moving forward? It's not always about family and, and our careers. And what do you say almost, I would say like to remember who that is? Yes. Because we've spent so many years high achieving, doing all the things to become a physician, but then that becomes so much a part of our identity, which like we understand why but it's kind of a remembering of who we are or seeking out what it is that we enjoy, who we are as humans outside of all of those other labels. So again, this, this is bringing up a lot for me and I'm so glad you started with this because my listeners definitely need to hear that too. Yeah. Well, we start, you know, even like, you know, people talk about when, you know, we're trying to decide what we're going to be when we grow up and you're sort of defining those labels really early on. And then we're going to college and then we're trying to get into medical school and then we're trying, you know, then we're getting into residency programs and everything is sort of this drive, drive, drive forward. And yeah, we can lose ourselves along the way. So, so absolutely. I think it's really important to, to remember 
you know, where, where, and, and just, and to uncover that, like really, where is that coming from deep within? Right. Yeah. So that is, that's me. And then I'm also, so I'm a daughter. I am a granddaughter. I am a um, sister. I am a mother. I'm a mother to um, three uh, babies that are earth side. I've got a six-year-old, a three-year-old and a 18 month old. So I'm in, in the thick of it. Um, and I also have two angel babies. So I'm a um, angel baby mom as well had two miscarriages along the way. And, uh, and yeah, I think we really need to identify that too. I think there's so many of us that have gone through loss during our fertility, um, sort of journeys and building our families. And, and I don't want to sort of glance over that as well. Right. So of honoring that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then I'm a physician. So <laughs> I, I am a family physician. I specialize in fourth trimester care, as you said. I, my sort of focus is on taking care of um, moms or birthing people and their newborns postpartum. It's such a time that is just lacking in care in, in our um, standard medical system. And um, when I went through having my children, I just it just hit home how, how much that was missing. And so, so yeah, so I decided, well, if it's not out there, I'm going to build it. So we're going to make it happen. So incredible. So when you went through your family medicine training, did you then get just like a standard family medicine, like job or tell us a little bit about your foray into, it sounds like this has been an interest of yours. How did that come to light. Yeah, absolutely. So after residency, I actually started working at a federally qualified health center in, in here in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And, um, and I worked there for eight years and they, that's where I, I started um, having, having my children went through my fertility journey. And I loved working with the, with the, with the patients there. And I had such a wonderful um, experience working in that system, but I, again, I felt that this was lacking. I did try to actually do some home visiting while I was working within the system and it just wasn't feasible to be, I was doing it sort of on my own time and I was spending a lot. I mean, I would spend 90 minutes in, in the home with, with folks and that was not getting, I wasn't getting paid for that. And so I was taking away from my own family. So I needed to try and figure out a way that I could do it outside the system. And so, yeah, I, did, I worked there for eight years and in the process, you know, while I was working there is when I started my own practice and I actually just left that clinic job a couple months ago. And so now I'm doing this full time. Oh, that's fantastic. Because when you and I had been at that event at the University of Minnesota, I think it was a couple of falls ago, you yeah. were doing both. You were kind of thinking probably the transition was happening. And I was going to ask you, it sounds like it's happened. Yeah. So it's now happened. you are doing this work full time. Yeah. And I believe you've maybe even pulled in some other folks. But before we get into that, tell me what this beautiful career that you've created looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I say that it's life giving. So, um, unfortunately, when I was at the clinic, it felt very life draining. Like I felt so drained at the end of the day. I felt it was going, you know, these fifteen to twenty minute visits over and over and over again. And I, I, I felt like I really couldn't sort of take a breath. And then I would come home and just feel like I would just, I had barely any energy left for my family. And then when I started doing these home visits, I, for these, you know, these birthing people and their newborns, I was like, wow, I just feel energized and excited and, and just felt like my cup was full after I leave the visit. So it's just changed and shifted, you know, what this career looks like for me. And so what I do is I, so yes, I do home visits for families postpartum. We do an initial postpartum planning visits when they're sometime during their pregnancy, usually in the last month or so, where we sort of talk about all the things that to plan for, for postpartum. I think that's really important. I think, you know, we, so many people plan for the birth and we talk about all these, like, you know, you do 
have this really extensive birth plan, but then so many people don't actually plan for the postpartum period. And I, you know, I say that this is planning for the pregnancy and not postpartum is like planning for a wedding and not a marriage. Like you really, it's all the deep stuff happens after the the big event, right? 100%. That is so, that's a great way to look at it, right? right, Everything's like, oh, well, now it'll be easy. The baby's here. We get to celebrate and wear all these cute little outfits and all as well. Exactly, exactly. And that's what like baby showers and all these things really like make it seem like, oh, you just need all these onesies and all these like, you know, cutesy things when really it's you need you need the like, deep support of your physical healing and, and the you know, sort of nutrients and the relationships and the support networks and all of the other things that really have, you know, setting up your environment, where are you going to sleep when these when this baby comes? Are you going to be going up and down all these stairs? Like, you know, what, what's the lighting look like? There's all these sort of factors that really come into play that people don't think about. So nice. yeah, so we do a home visit in the home, actually setting up like, okay, so where, you know, let's set up your, your bathroom and let's like check out your kitchen and see what, what things you have and what are the other things that you need for nutrients. And, you know, we said, where are you going to sleep? Like I said, and so we go through this whole very extensive sort of uh, look at what, what their postpartum environment is even going to look like and, and to plan for that. I love that. That probably gives them a lot of like, just feeling of comfort to know that like, ah, there is a plan. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. So then what happens? Yeah. So then they you know, keep going on with their pregnancy. They give birth. And then I usually see them within 24 to 48 hours after the birth or after, after they come home from wherever they um, birth at. So if it's the hospital system, it might be, you know, a couple days after they give birth. If they do it at a birth center, it may be within 24 hours or even a home birth as well. I've, I've done visits as well. I sort of work hand in hand with some of the midwives in the Twin Cities here. So there's a that sort of initial really close contact that happens right away. And so if there's any issues with jaundice or baby's weight gain, or if there's any, you know, concern about blood pressure, for example, for the birthing person, then, you know, we are able to address that very quickly and get that needed follow-up. So they don't have to go into the clinic. That's so nice because you're kind of bleary-eyed in the beginning, right? I mean, And bleary eyed when it's the best of circumstances. I was very lucky, I guess. I don't know. I had no difficulties with my pregnancies or births, but it's still you're bleary eyed. And a lot of people do have issues, whether it's with high blood pressure or like latching. And this kind of brings us around to what's so amazing is that you are a IBCLC. I believe that's how I say it. Yes. you're, You're basically a lactation consultant, right? Like a certified someone who can help with breastfeeding, which so many women struggle with in the beginning. And that creates a whole host of issues, right? When they're, when they're having trouble and have to go back and forth and Exactly. Oh. Yes. Yeah. So it's IBCLC is an international board certified lactation consultant is what that is, term is, um, is used for. And actually that's, so that's sort of like the basic, you know, lactation consultant sort of level. And I'm actually a breastfeeding medicine specialist. So I'm even sort of above that. Um, wow. So is, awesome. Yeah. So if there's any, like if we're, there's questions about medications or if there's like a breast abscess or if there is the, you know, sort of standard IBCLC is not able to manage what's going on. If there's a tongue tie, if there's, you know, all these other sort of things that come up, then that's where I I can step in as well. So I do all the basic latch stuff, but then also like we can, I can help with somebody has got low milk supply and we need to, you know, provide medication or supplements to try to um, help support that or even inducing lactation. So if there's a couple that, you know, one person has given birth, but the partner wants to be the one that lactates, then we can induce lactation in that partner. So there's a lot of other more complicated situations that I can also help manage with that. 
I love that. And thank you for clarifying that, that piece, because I think that that is just one piece of postpartum, you know, fourth trimester care, but I believe it's a huge piece, right? As a family doc who journeyed with folks through pregnancy and delivery and postpartum, I feel like that piece, if things weren't going smoothly, was always a huge contributing like, I don't want to say it's a problem, but like it caused a lot of stress and consternation. In Absolutely. Well, it goes hand in hand with, with mental health, really. So if there's somebody yes. having any concerns with mental health issues, I'm, I'm guaranteeing that there's something going on with lactation as well. And if there's something going on with lactation, there's going to be some mental health sort of concerns that are coming up. And so they go hand in hand. Absolutely. And, and so I'm also certified in perinatal mental health and, um, and have sort of extensive training in that respect as well, because I do think that they're very hand in hand and they need to be addressed together as a unit and not, for example, if somebody's having um, some um, perinatal mental health mood disorder stuff going on. The recommendation is not to say like, oh, stop breastfeeding. Now you can sleep more. Like that's not helpful. <laughs> that's not acknowledging what their goals are or maybe what their you know their their thoughts are around what's happening. Um, so we can help with both at the same time. It doesn't need to be. You need to like completely give up on this if it's something that that's important to you. I love that. And I love that you, of course, I think if you're doing postpartum care, of course, you have to be aware of the mental health issues that come along. And again, my listeners hear me talk about mental health all the time. I don't think we can talk about it too much. I really no, don't. No. So again, I think just to normalize like, wow, this is a really challenging time in life. You're sleep deprived. Your hormones are wackadoodle. By the way, there's this little critter that now you're in charge of. Like there's so much. So I loved normalizing it with my patients and helping. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, obviously you're very, you're a fierce advocate for that as well. Oh, completely. Well, and then not only just in general mental health stuff, but there's also in the wackadoodle stuff that's happening with hormones and all the things, but there's also these very weird thoughts that come in. So scary thoughts that are very, um, that can be very dis disconcerting for people, right? But it happens to everyone, 98% of people postpartum and also their partners as well. And so these are thoughts that like are similar to, you know, if you're walking down the stairs, you're like, oh, what happens if I drop the baby or walking around the corner? What happens if I smash the baby's head into the corner, you know, into the wall. Or even I've had, you know, like people talk about they've been walking down the street and what happens if my baby just gets shot in the head? Like we're no, no reason why this is coming into play, but it's just sort of coming, you know, coming up, you know, and it's, it's really about our bodies are and our minds are trying to protect our babies and it's, but it's so normal. And then people freak out because they think they're going, they're psychotic because then we think about people who actually do harm their children. And it's not, if you're, if the, if people think that it's a, the scary thought is a weird thing, if it's like, oh, this feels that did not feel good in my heart. I don't like that. Then they're not, that's the protective factor. That means they're not psychotic. And that means they're actually, they're very sane and things are, are good. They're just having these weird mental thoughts. Um, and so I like to really normalize that. I think it's really important. I, I, I say that, I, you know, I text my, text my girlfriends postpartum and I was like, I had this really strange thought today that I was going to like stab my baby if I dropped the knife or something. And, and then all my girlfriends would like, text back and be like, yeah, I had this weird thought too. And this weird thought too. And then it was just out in the open. We let it float away on a cloud, laughed about it and moved on. If we were to do that more, then I think that would be less isolating for, you know, these parents that are going through their postpartum time. And then, you know, and they're not ruminating on these weird thoughts and thinking, oh my gosh, why am I thinking that way? 
Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Get them into the light. That's so interesting. Exactly. I didn't realize that it was that common and normal. I thought it was maybe more related to postpartum anxiety, which we can talk about. But again, yeah. I remember having some, not all the time. They weren't like, I wasn't ruminating on them, but I had this weird one because my bedroom was upstairs in this little like half bungalow. Anyway, I'd be walking up the stairs. I'm like, what if I trip and my baby flies out the window? Exactly. Yes. I'm like, the window's closed, but like, what if my baby like flies out the window? And yeah. I was just so And you weird. remember it though. You remember I do it remember now. it. I do remember it. And I remember it with like probably all my children, right? Like walking up the stairs to my bedroom with my baby thinking, what if I trip and they fly out the window, which didn't make sense at all. And again, I think lucky for me, right. That it just kind of came and went. And I'm like, well, that's weird. But I love again, that we're having this conversation and normalizing it. It's super duper common. Now, again, if it's causing issue for you, you're getting really worried about it. Please tell somebody, right. Exactly. Tell yeah. your physician, tell somebody talk it over with your girlfriends, just again, to normalize it because shame, as I talk about, right, like grows in the dark. So if you're feeling really bad about it and you're quiet about it and secretive, not safe. And what I'm hearing you say is that if you have a thought like, this is weird, I don't like this, that that's actually a very protective factor versus someone who is unfortunately slipping into psychosis. They think that that's just real and everything that makes sense. Exactly. Yes, exactly. That's where the different difference lies. And so, yeah, so that's where, you know, it's, it, we can, if we can normalize it and allow people to, to say like, Oh, I realized that this was a weird thought and I can just stick it on a cloud and let it float away. It's so much easier and less isolating than sort of sitting in the dark and worrying about like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm thinking this way. And and just, it goes into, and then that's where a lot of the anxiety and depression can come from, right? So then you're, because you're, you're not sleeping well because you're ruminating on these thoughts or you're not, you're actually changing behaviors. So you're not leaving the house or you're butt bouncing down the stairs or whatever you're doing. So that, because you're avoiding the thing that you think is going to be the problem, right? So yeah, it's really important to, to really normalize it. Yeah. But you do see, and I know we both believe in this, right? Like postpartum anxiety and depression certainly exist. So let's talk absolutely. about that. Like how common is that? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's super common. Um, you know, the, the stats right now say one in seven, but I, it's actually probably closer to one in four and we probably higher than that, maybe one in three. Because again, I don't think people get enough acknowledgement of it or treatment for it. I know I personally had postpartum depression pretty significantly with my first, and I didn't realize it until two years later when I was feeling better. <laughs> I was like, wow, wow, that was not good. I did not feel good during that time. And now I'm realizing I'm coming out of it. So yeah, it's very, and I can say, I talked to so many people about the very similar reactions to, wow, I really was going through a tough time and I just sort of barreled through and I didn't realize that I should have gotten some support. Do you think that it's just because you just think it should be that hard or what? Because I mean, you're a physician, you had gone through your training. I'm just curious. So, so, So again, I want my listeners to hear like, even though we quote unquote know, right, as physicians that like depression is a thing and more common postpartum, we maybe just normalize like this is just hard and that's yeah, how it should be. Hard, I mean, right, exactly. I think there's a lot of, it's just hard. I think there's a lot of like, Oh, I don't want to try to find, like, I have to try and find somebody that's going to, you know, understand what's going on. You know, sort of a lot of different, I mean, I had a therapist at the time. And so I think we're, we're kind of working through things, but there was, yeah, I don't think, you know, I wasn't getting sort of that. And, and, you know, I was filling out the forms at, you know, the doctor's office that I was like, oh, you know, Edinburgh, like whatever. I just, you know, went through the, the postpartum depression screening form. And I knew what the answers were because I had filled it out so many dang times. And really nobody was actually asking me like, how, like, how legit are, like, how are you? You know, like, let's really talk about how are you doing? And not just, oh yeah, you're not. It's the forms. Not, you know, yeah. 
Gift the forms. How are you? Are you enjoying life right now? Are you sleeping? Like, are you like when the baby's sleeping and it's a time that you can sleep, are you sleeping? Because that, you know, it's, so there's, there's a lot of things. Yeah. Are you ruminating on weird thoughts? Like, is this what's happening? Like, let's talk and sit down and, and have some space to do so, which doesn't happen in the clinic setting. Yeah. I so love that you do this work. So again, I want, I'm just going to reiterate for my listeners. They're brilliant people, but like, this is super duper common and we can talk about it and help is available. And I always believe again, as a family doc, like, well, how can we have some prevention here? How about we plan to have some support, which is exactly the work that you do. Like let's plan for that postpartum, right? How can we make things as smooth as can be during this unique time in our lives. Absolutely. And that's where that having a list of people, like, so if there is, you know, having a list of postpartum doulas that you can call, if you need some extra support in the home, having a lactation consultant, uh, you know, that you already have a list of those that you can call having a night nurse, maybe if maybe that can come and help you sleep a little bit, if you need a little support that way, grandma, grandpa, you know, family members, all the things. So the thing is in the, you know, now in the U S we used to have, you know, historically we had this tribe, right. We had this beautiful tribe. Village, village, right? That where people were, everyone would support each other. They could be their aunties and grandmas and sisters, and all these people would be sort of surrounding you and doing, you know, helping with all the things. And now we're trying to do this on our own. And so we have to create our own villages. We have to create our own, you know, support systems and sort of set that up. So we're not doing this alone. And we don't need to, we have the support out there. We, We can do it, but we just have to sort of set it up and be prepared for it. I love, love, love this because again, one of my favorite things in all my years, 20 years of practicing medicine was, you know, moms and babies for sure. Right. Even sometimes being awake in the middle of the night, right? Like I was hard, but like, I loved having that connection with these families. And then these mamas would come back in with their babies, usually first for like the weight check. And I'd always check in with the mamas first. And, you know, I always say 80% of the time they would start crying. I'd say, how are you doing? And most of them would start crying and we would chat and I would support them. But I just, I wish that I could have done more, right? Like, oh, I just kind of want to come to your home and like be with you and like help you when your baby's just like feels like inconsolable. Like I will show you, I'm a baby whisperer. I'll just say (laughs) like, I will show you some strategies that can really be helpful. And I'd love to just hold your baby so you could nap. So again, I had these sort of like nigglings of thoughts in my head that wouldn't that be amazing? What I'm hearing is you had those thoughts as well. And you went out and you created this amazing career for yourself that benefits all of these families. I love that. Yeah, it's that's the thing. I think we... I think one of the messages today is really you can create what you dream up. You know, I think that's really important to acknowledge. I think there's a lot of like our our medical training trains us to be able to work in a hospital system or a clinic and and really doesn't acknowledge the fact that there are are all these other avenues of ways that we can create these businesses around medicine, really. And but it's not acknowledged and supported and the insight isn't there and how to do that. So yeah, that can be, it's, it's really a joy to be able to do that, but it it's also, it's a challenge for sure. Like I don't have a master's degree in business or anything like that. I just, you know, you sort of figure it out along the way. Yes. And you did it, which again, like there's so many awesome things about this conversation because you're doing such amazing work, which I love to share with people. And I also love that you created this, you had an idea and you created it. And you acknowledged, yeah, it's not easy. But I want to remind my listeners, if they have a niggling or an idea that's kind of brewing in their head, number one, I believe that you're like some spirit has whispered and you're called to do this work, to bring it forth in life. And also too, that you are smart and you can figure it out. Yeah. It's not med school hard. 
No, it's not. It's not. I mean, we just, we also as entrepreneurs need to learn, like we're going to try something and it might be a flop and that's okay. Cause it's not like an F on my report card. Right. Right. Well, and I actually love the flops because then it yes. shows like, you know, it's like, it gives me some guidance on to what, how to shift. Yeah. Like that. Oh, that didn't work. Let's try something new. But for so exactly. long in my life and probably you too, we were so used to just accumulating all the gold stars that that sometimes slows people down or holds them back when they think I want to do this big thing, but what if it doesn't work? Yeah. There are going to be a lot of things you try that might not work and that's fine. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. How did you decide to finally like, Ooh, take that leap? Yeah. So, well, I, so I got an, I went and did a fellowship in integrative medicine and that was where I sort of, my eyes were open to all of the, of the other possibilities of ways that we can practice medicine. So, you know, people were doing membership based programs or packages or direct primary care or concierge style medicine, it's home visits, all these different avenues. And so that's where I, I was like, oh, wow, I can actually, I could, can actually dream this up. And then I just dreamed up what I thought would be the perfect practice for me. What if I wanted it, there's gotta be somebody else out there that may want it. Right. And so, and so, yeah, so I started building it and then, and actually one, the, my first, very first client had come to me and said, Hey, I want to, I want you to take care of my, my baby as, as my baby's pediatrician and, or, you know, doctor. And I said, you know, I would love to, but I don't like who I am in the clinic. I don't like the way that I am able to, to care for folks in that setting because I, I feel very disconnected. I feel rushed. I feel like I'm not really practicing medicine the way that I want to practice, but I'm thinking about doing this, this side, you know, um, practice. And what do you think? Would you be my first? And they jumped on it. They were like, absolutely. So they paid me. And then that's what I used to create my LLC and, and sort of build the, the initial steps of it. So I didn't need to go into like initial debt or anything. It was just sort of as a proof of concept really is what it was. They were willing to pay for it, which means I was willing to start it. And we would be able to sort of rock and roll from there. So awesome. So tell us the name of your business and tell us how it's grown over the last few years. Yeah. So it's called Fourth Trimester Doc. And yeah, it's, it's, so I started doing it very part-time when I was in the clinic setting, did that for, I started in 2020, right? Sort of in midst of COVID. And then, yeah. And then I, I actually had another physician start with me in January of this year. So she is working in a little bit, uh, an area just outside of, of where my radius is, where I see patients. So that's been wonderful. Her name is Dr. Hardy, Melissa Hardy, and she's fabulous. She also has an IBCLC and um, is a pediatrician and, is just wonderful. Um, I've been very, very blessed to have her have her join me. And and there's there's a couple others that are kind of in the works of maybe joining in the next year or so. There's some non-competes and things that people are dealing with. Hopefully that won't be an issue soon. So I think that, you know, I, I'm anticipating we'll have like a sort of a little crew of, of physicians here that are, you know, supporting folks in the Twin Cities. That is absolutely fantastic. And as far as I will share all your information, if there are physicians that are listening that say, ah, I would love this service for me, they can find you. And number two, if there are maybe family docs or OBGYNs who are listening, who are like, wow, I want to be able to share this information with my patients. How do people find you? How do they come to you? Yeah. I I mean, I will share all that information. So my listeners can certainly come find you, but how are you currently like building your practice? Yeah, well, first I want to say just to kind of start with initiate before we, we move on with that. I um, phys- 
physician moms are at the highest risk for lots of stuff postpartum. One thing that we have, because of just our, the way our, we practice our personalities, the, you know, our, our work, the way, you know, our, what our, the way we have support systems. So we actually have double the rate of postpartum depression and anxiety than the general population. So that, and two to three times, actually, there may be even three times closer to that. So that's one thing. Resident physicians are actually at even higher risk. So they're up closer to 50%. And we're actually we're also at the highest risk of um, significant drop-offs and and lack of being able to meet our breastfeeding goals. So we start off very high. There's in the 90th percentile, 90 90 plus percentile of, of physicians actually initiate breastfeeding or try, and then it just significantly drops off after that to less than 20 percent to around 30 percent or so, depending on what studies you look at. So which is just a huge decline when our goals are not being met. So you know we've got these goals of whatever they are, and our, our goals are not being met at all. So it's it's really important to acknowledge that. And I'm just going to pipe up here and say, listeners, hear this. We are at higher risk. Mm-hmm. You've heard me talk about it before. I lost my baby sister, Dr. Gretchen Butler, to suicide two years ago. She was struggling with postpartum anxiety. She reached out to me when she went back after her six weeks, because I'm like, you're going to take all your time off. She's like, nope, I can't. I'm like, Um, Yes, you can. And yet she didn't, but neither here nor there. But at any rate, she was being treated for postpartum anxiety. Now, unfortunately, she died, you know, 18 months later, but I don't need to get into that whole story, but we are at higher risk for all sorts of things. And again, as a family physician, I believe in prevention. So it, to me, makes beautiful sense to put something like this into place for you and your colleagues and to talk about this and say, hey, how can we best support ourselves in this very challenging time, maybe I shouldn't call it a very challenging time in this unique time of having a newborn. And so my thought is everybody should reach out to you or something like you to have this in place. Why wouldn't we make this time smoother and prevent and, or catch some of these things earlier so we can get the treatment and care and love and support we need for us and for our babies. So that's just my huge, like, please, everybody take care of you. And this is a beautiful way to do it. Some people think, well, well, I don't know. What should I do? This is what you do. You well, I want to throw place- a term out there actually with, with this, because so matrescence, have you heard that term before? I have, but yeah. it's been a while. I haven't yeah. heard it very often. Tell us all yeah. about it. So matrescence is, is the birth of a mother. It's this transition between you know, after we, when we give birth and we have, it's this fourth trimester time and, and everything after that postpartum. So we go through, you know, adolescence where we have all these changes that happen hormonally, physically, relationally, emotionally, all these things that, you know, sort of transition during that time. And everyone's very aware of that, that whole transition, right? And then there's matrescence, which is this, again, huge life transition that happens that, again, all those changes happen. There's brain changes, there's chemical changes, there's hormonal changes, there's physical, relational, all those same emotional, you know, environmental, all these changes that that happen. And it's not acknowledged, right? It's not real. I mean, this should be a huge area of study and it's not. And so it really, yeah, absolutely. We need to acknowledge that and really support it. And and this should be a field, really, a a whole specialty. Love it. I think it's starting today, right? Yeah. I mean, you've obviously been doing the work, but again, I just, yes, we need that time and support. And yet again, we women in medicine have been indoctrinated to just keep going, 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 hardly take time off, get right back to it, figure it out. They've got pumping, like that's allowed. Oh my gosh, people, this is our lives. We can take a breath 
and we can get the support and the love and the care that we need. So I just want to normalize that. And I'm hopeful that over these next few years that this just becomes normal. Okay. Yes. I'm taking my maternity leave and yes, I'm going to have fourth trimester care ready to go for me to make this more an enjoyable time because it can be an enjoyable time. So thank you for bringing that up. And I did not know, I mean, I knew that we as women physicians were at higher risk for mental health issues. I didn't realize that postpartum anxiety and depression were so high. And for the residents too, residents listening, please take care of you. Get this sort of help. Absolutely. Yes. So thank you for that. Yes. Yes. So so you can go to my website, um, www.fourthtrimesterdoc.com. We'll put that in the show notes stuff. Um, And uh, reach out for any, so I do postpartum, the the fourth trimester packages, which takes it, we do that postpartum planning. We have five visits postpartum. So we do that first 24 to 48 hours. And then a couple of days after that, and the one week, two weeks, we just make sure that everything is very going very smoothly for you. And then, and you get my personal texts. So you can text and call at any time, which is, which is very lovely for people. It's, it's so you don't need to try and go call the nurse line and do all the things. And it's for you and baby. So if there is, you know, stuff that's going on with you, or if there's stuff going on with baby, or if there's everything's going really well, then, you know, I'm, I'm there to support. So, and Dr. Hardy is there to support as well. So we, that's our, that's sort of our jam. We just do what we come to you. We do all the things that you need in your home without having to have you leave your jammies. You get to oh stay my in- gosh. Yeah. Yes. You don't yeah. have to get out of your PJs, people. Yeah. You can stay in your PJs, be snuggly. No and Michelle will come and see you. I love that so much. So that's your standard package. Say for instance, someone is diagnosed with postpartum depression, for instance, do you keep doing the care or do you work in concert with their another physician? How yeah, I will keep, I absolutely, I will keep doing the care as long as they, they want or need the support. I will work in tandem with their, their OB or their midwife or their pediatrician or whoever they're, they're also seeing if there's, if they, they sort of want some hand in hand support with that. And if they, even if they haven't signed up for a package, I still, we, if they're, you know, two weeks out or a week out or three months out or a year out, and they still want support, they can, they can contact me and we'll do sort of individual consults and then follow up visits as needed for that as well. So it's, yeah, we'll do, we do mental health support. We do the breastfeeding and lactation support, integrative support around fertility as well. So miscarriage or, or pregnancy loss as well, support with that. So there's a lot of anything and everything related to postpartum and newborn, we, we've got you. That's fantastic. Follow up after NICU stays, like all of those things. Yeah. 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 Cause that can be a big transition mm-hmm. time too, right? Like yes. all of a sudden this little baby that was so critically ill is like coming home and that, that can cause a lot of stress for families. I love that you're there to support them. What haven't we touched on that you think might be valuable for my listeners to hear? Yeah. So I, I think one thing that's important to know is that I don't contract directly with insurance companies. They don't pay me for the job for what I'm doing. I, you know, we spend 90 minutes in the home and we really, there's the way that insurance works. It just wouldn't support the system. However, we are able to use insurance through out of network benefits. And a lot of people have really great out of network benefits that they're not aware of. The residents at the university here in Minnesota have incredible out of network benefits that like they've like got a $400 out of network deductible and then 80 to 90% coverage after that. It's, it's unreal. That's fantastic. Um, so, yeah. So it's really, really great. So there's, there are ways to get coverage other than using the, in, doing, doing it in, in network. So yeah, so we can do, do that as a support thing. That the sounds other fantastic. Thing, the other thing I think we haven't talked about is like maternal mortality, unfortunately, like, so that is, so it's not just like the, so it's a mental health and, and, you know, managing all this, but then, you know, in the U S 
we have a really horrible maternal mortality rate. And we what they've they've done some studies in the last couple of years that have shown between well, 2017 to 2019, 84% uh, maternal mortality was seen as preventable. 84% of these wow. deaths are preventable. Yeah, that's had really vital work. Come into this, had they seen anybody, somebody that would recognize what's going on? That's unacceptable to me. That is that's unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. We should not be having. And the other, the other statistic is that two thirds of those maternal deaths are postpartum. They're not when pregnancy. They're not in birth. They are postpartum, up to a year postpartum, and a significant portion of them, over fifty percent are seven days postpartum up to 365 days. Wow. We're, we're not talking the, you know, the C-section, the stat C-sections and all the stuff that's happening, you know, like, you know, in the birth and, and, you know, we talk about all these, you know, high risk, you know, patients for the, for the birth itself, seven days postpartum to 365 days postpartum, 53% of those of, of maternal deaths happened during that time. Wow. And again, 84% are preventable. So why there's only one six week postpartum visit is asinine to me, like absolutely crazy. We should absolutely be seeing people more often. And no, we should not be forcing them to come into the clinic setting when they're leaking from all the orifices and trying to carry a car seat and all these things like, no, that's not the way that we care for folks. We sh- they should be absolutely cared for in the home. Oh, that's so beautiful. And that brought up a very distinct image, the leaking from all the orifices. I remember just thinking like, you're sweating, your breasts are leaking, you're bleeding. It's like you're leaking, you're like crying, like all of the things, all of the fluids everywhere. All the fluids everywhere. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I had no idea that those statistics were so number one, so high, but what gives me hope is that there is that preventable piece and you are filling that gap. And again, I'm really hopeful that your mission, and again, I've heard about these things around the nation, that it continues to be a groundswell of like helping families during this very important time. Absolutely. Yes. And let's like, let's do some good work and like help these mamas stay alive and well. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So the last thing I will say is that I started a nonprofit called the Center for Fourth Trimester Care, and it is for physicians and other healthcare providers who are interested in doing similar work to learn how to do it. So they, across the country, we do trainings. We do, we actually have a a conference last year. We do webinars. We do a lot of, we have mentorship program and, and a a directory is coming out soon. So we're doing all kinds of stuff to try to get people who are interested in doing work in the fourth trimester to really encourage more people to do this work and really feel like they can. So if they're starting a business or, or even within the systems that they're at. So my listeners, I know that there are going to be a few of them who are like, oh my gosh, that's me. I totally want to do this. Right. I will put a link to this, right? Can I, do you have like yeah. a website or something? Yeah, that yep. I, we have a website. Yep. Yep. I will yep. share that in the show notes. So again, if you have a, just a little niggling of a desire, it doesn't have to be like a raging fire yet people. But if you just have that little bit like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? I wish it could be me. Number one, it could be you. Number two, Michelle's going to show you the way. And I will have a link in the show notes. Go check it out sign up, check it all out, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. We'd love to have you. Yep. We need more and more people doing this incredible work that you're doing. Thank you. Well, I will just have to say, this has been such an honor and such a fun conversation. I feel like we could keep talking and talking. Um, 
because the work you're doing is so meaningful to me because again, my heart really, I went into family medicine because I love moms and babies so much. And I think it's a really important time. And I, I think that the work you're doing is just incredible. And I love that you were so brave and courageous to take a step out and do what your heart desired. So thank you for that. And thank you for reminding us that you are a human first and foremost with your own desires and wishes as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a lovely conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Are you ready to take control of your life and put these tools into action? I'm here to help. I offer free consultations for physician moms to see if my one-on-one coaching package is right for you. You can sign up for a free consult at www.mamadoclifecoach.com.